Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the C2C podcast, where today we're going to be jumping into the second part of our deep dive into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We're your hosts, Ron Jags and Drew Cullen. Drew, it's been a little while since we got to do one of these, been on a little bit of a hiatus here. So how excited are you to gear up into part two of our adventure? I'm so hyped. This this chunk was so much more than I remember from this book. Because the book is so short, but the memories are so vast, because it was the beginning of the adventure for, I don't know, our eight-year-old selves. I don't even remember how old we were at that point, that it feels like the book was so long. And then just in this one video, we're going to cover a quarter of the book. It's insane. Oh yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like we could just we could just eat this book up now. I don't know if it just means we were really dumb and slow readers when we were little, and <laughs> Probably. Like where it did take this a while for us to read through it. But nowadays, we could just spin right through it. And only it was a pretty quick review for myself as well when I was going through here. So now most of you know what our weekly mission is, but don't want to alienate any new listeners here. How is your podcast going to grow if you don't have new listeners? Am I right? Drew and I are on a mission here. The two of us are pretty big fantasy nerds, and we are meeting up from going coast to coast, crossing the great wide United States of America to bring you guys cover to cover through our favorite fantasy series. And hopefully by the end of this, these will be some of your favorite fantasy series as well. In today's episode, we're going to be covering chapters 6 through 11 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Just a warning to a lot of you guys that might also be newer listeners, or if you've kind of skipped through our intros in the past because we could be kind of a mess at the beginning. Totally understand. We try to avoid them, but sometimes in our deep dives, we get a little carried away, I'll say. We may connect current events and characters to future events in the series, so let it be known that this is your spoiler warning, so please proceed with caution. It's so hard with Harry Potter. Like My brain is almost registered to think everyone in the world has read this. Who doesn't know Harry Potter? But then I'm like, oh, wait. If you didn't read Harry Potter, this would literally be the video you'd go to. So stop spoiling things, stupid. So uh-huh. for the, to the best of my ability, I will avoid it. But it's so hard. It's so, uh-huh. it's so much foreshadowing and great writing that it's difficult not to talk about it. Man, I know. We try to reel it in, though. We try to reel it in, to be fair. If you guys don't want to take that risk, we totally get it. Go pick up your book, catch up, and we'll be right here waiting for you whenever you're ready. But for those of you who are ready to join us, I think we're going to get down to business. So, Drew, before we get a little too deep into our chapter run-through, let's give the people a little taste, you know? We'll bring them over to Flavortown. What is your Sparknotes versions of Chapter 6 to 11? And maybe if get the people thinking, if you could identify one central theme of this section of our reading, what would you choose? Yeah, theme I picked up on was pretty quick. It, it started popping out to me in um, in the first chapter we read. And then the more I went through, I was like, there's no way that theme's going to stick. And then it, it did. Harry kept showing that making his own decisions was his theme. This is the first time in his life that he's been free to be his own individual, to be his own person. He's not just the Dursley stepping stool. Whenever he's approached with a decision to make, he actually makes it boldly with courage, hence why he ends up in <coughs> Gryffindor, spoiler. Um, and he enjoys making the decision. He doesn't halt beforehand or hesitate or do any of that. He is excited that he gets to be his own man now. Oh, man, are you going to love it when we get later in the books too, man? I mean, the the theme of voice and all that, it just gets more and more prevalent the more you read to the point where it's like right at the forefront of everything. Once you read through book six, I've run out of fingers and toes the number of times Dumbledore hounds on. You make choices and that's what sets you apart from other people. It's pretty crazy. So that's a really good point. And you hit like, in terms of the entire series, you just hit on one of the biggest themes in the entire thing. 
I'm going to kind of go into some of mine. For me, um, I'm going to go with some anime vibes here where this is the power of friendship shows up pretty big here. So you look back, like we looked at in the early chapters, our boy Harry Potter has no friends. He always gets picked on. He always gets beaten up. And he's got kind of low self-esteem. And when he's on his way to Hogwarts, he's super nervous. A lot of these people have set such high expectations for him based on his background. And he just doesn't know if he's good enough to be there yet. He bets he's the worst in the class. Like, there's got to be some kind of mistake that he's here. He's always just been a normal dude that had weird things happening to him. But then as we go through these chapters, we kind of see our trio all start to come together. And I'll harp on this for so long. People forget about our boy Juan Juan Weasley's contributions in this series because of how the movie character is portrayed. But right from the jump, he's got HP's back, man. He tells him right from the start, like, you're not going to be the worst in the class. Everybody's starting off on pretty much the same foot. Every time uh, Malfoy goes on to his, like, really terrible poverty-related disfest, like, Ron just eats it up, and he's, like, right behind Harry. And then the two together, and they face certain danger and possible death to save Will Miss Know-It-All Miss Hermione Granger. It's not even just that, not even just looking out for each other like that. They start to become a close-knit, cohesive group as they grow and they balance out each other's flaws, which you'll see as you do a little more reading. A lot of characters' flaws become more prevalent, and then there's always somebody to check the other person's flaws. It really is crazy to me how much Ron is that gets shafted in the movies. I always hear it, mostly from you, because you're a huge Ron supporter, but I've always heard throughout the years, oh yeah, Ron really, he didn't get his the right roles in the movies. Hermione took all of his lines, and Harry took all of his lines, and he's just a loser in the movies. And I didn't remember how much of an impact he had in the books, but like, Hermione barely plays a part in the first three chapters of the section, I think, what, six, seven, and eight? I mean, mm-hmm. she's nothing. She's not even in the friend group until later on. Ron is the pure carrying source right here, and that did not happen in the movies. You don't get that vibe whatsoever. Oh, yeah, dude. He's he's the rock from the start, whereas in the movies, as soon as she meets him, you got Hermione using illegal spells on the train when they can't even use magic yet true yeah and it, it's you got to feel bad for rupert grant we'll go into this in more detail when we cover the movies but the poor dude i think all of his lines just said make really stupid face while you're on screen and it's it's a bummer because his character is actually pretty good in the books but in his defense um, harry's lines also just said make stupid faces but then also say important plot things the two of their faces throughout all seven movies is just well eight movies i guess it's just, it's it's ridiculous. Oh my god, for the video version of this, Drew, you gotta get, like, a nice compilation of Rupert Grint faces. It'll be so great. Oh, that'll just be like... the only thing covering our voices right now. <laughs> we could even just pause it. You could run a slideshow of all of them. It'd be fantastic. Dude's anyone... also got though, so congrats to him. Right. For anyone that doesn't know, uh, there will be a couple sections. We're still debating on where to throw this up, but we're definitely going to throw up some kind of podcast version, um, and we're going to put it up on our YouTube channel. So if you're hearing, if you're listening to this on a podcast app, if you want to go check out our YouTube and throw a subscribe, go ahead. We're still debating how we're going to run it, but mostly we're just, it's all the same product, all the same stuff, but uh, in just slightly different mediums. Great shameless product promotion there, Drew. I love it. <laughs> now that we got through a lot of our intro here, I think we've got our audience pretty primed and ready to go. Wouldn't you say so? Absolutely. Let's get all into right. chapter six. All right, Drew. Pack your trunk, avoid the third floor corridor, and pronounce that gar sound nice and long. And we're off to Hogwarts in this section, man. Let's get right into it. Chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. So Drew, we're about to board the Hogwarts Express for the first time ever in this episode. 
and I tell you, I can barely contain myself, man. It's so exciting. We're finally like, I've actually, we've been waiting for so long to get to this point when it's only like six chapters, but we're going to start to see a bunch of cool shit from here forward, man. It's going to be really cool. I was super excited coming into it. And then uh, it hit me in the first couple pages that Harry is either insanely depressed or his Stockholm syndrome or needs some kind of wizard psychiatrist because he literally misses the Dursleys because no one's making fun of him. This man has issues. So that was a bit of a bumpy start for me when it's like, oh, by the way, this 11-year-old misses his abusers. Oh, my God. Yeah, like... They're just so scared of him right now where they're not talking to him. And like he says, anytime that would have been great. But now like nobody's talking to me at all. This is kind of, this is a bummer, man. Right. And like something I just want to hit on real quick here. Our boy has a habit of getting abandoned, I think. Because like, how did he get home from London? Hagrid believed in him, Ron. Are you doubting Hagrid's trust? After he gave him the ticket to the Hogwarts Express, he turned around and Hagrid was gone. He's not even there. He fully (laughs) believed. 100% he was in there. All right. Hagrid's also not the most intelligent. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not saying the there's a reason he was expelled, but, like, <laughs> man's, yeah. man's not smart. Also, how did the Dursleys get home? That's a Hagrid good question. That one confuses me more than how Harry got home. I'll be honest. I, I just don't understand. And, like, there's no way that they would pick up Harry either if he just, like, found a payphone or something. He was like, hey, guys, my big, tall, giant friend just kind of left me in downtown. Can you come grab me? No shot. So yeah, everybody's so scared of him. Dudley is absolutely, won't even be in the same room as him after he got his pigtail. He's not having that at all. Really can't blame um, him. I, you can't. You know, Dudley's got a point. <laughs> I would I would be terrified. You just found no, out magic no. is a real thing, and you have this kid who you bullied your entire life, who in your head is just a nuclear bomb in the other room. Like, go poke him once, he's going to turn you into a mouse. Like, I ain't messing with that. Yep, I'm good, man. I, I think that's good enough for me. So Harry's been doing some preterm reading, uh, hanging out with his new pet, Snowy Owl Hedwig. Great side character. A lot of fun. Gotta love a good animal companion. And it looks like, aside from just not having any human contact, he's doing pretty good. Then the day finally comes. He's been counting it down on his calendar. It's time to go to Hogwarts. Tells the Dursleys that he has to get to platform nine and three quarters which probably never should have said platform nine and three quarters big mistake (laughs) and he's lucky that they're going to london to get our boy dudley's tail removed or else they probably wouldn't have taken him either way true we get to king's cross now and drew what do you think is are we going to see platform nine and three quarters out and about right in front of everybody I mean, honestly, the first read-through, I really thought it was just going to be there, because that's naive little me. Like, I'm the same as Harry. Like, oh, the ticket says nine and three quarters. There must be one. Yeah, not the case, man. Not the case. No. Even worse. Even worse look here. The Dursleys are like, oh, here's your platform. Oh, it doesn't look like it's there. Have a great term. And then they just, he's just ditched in downtown London again. This is their last little dig before he gets sent to school. Like, ha ha, sucker, there's no quarter. Do you think people are seeing this happen? Are, are people seeing this go down and they're just letting it slide? Have is that been like to actually... a train station in a big city? No one pays attention to anything. Absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous, man. So dude's in super dire straits right now until eventually he hears everybody's favorite redheaded wizarding family loudly, which maybe they should tone it down a little bit if other people could hear them I'm, loudly I'm, spouting about. I've said it before. I'm probably going to say it a thousand more times through the series. The fact that muggles don't know that wizards are a thing is the dumbest thing about this series. It's <laughs> it's number one, that wizards haven't given themselves away. Number two, how much of a troll Dumbledore is. That's it. Those are the two biggest issues. The Weasleys are literally screaming 
Oh, by the way, there's what, nine of them right now? Six of them have animal companions in a cage with them. And then they disappear through a brick wall. If nine redheads screaming walked in, I would be watching. Just casually, just hanging out. I'm not, not caring. Just like, oh, I'm bored, sitting on a bench. And then I watch yeah. and these people run through this wall. They're not trying to hide it. Oh my God. I mean, maybe maybe JK Rowling's trying to tell us something that maybe we could should take in our surroundings a little bit better. I don't know. That I could guess. be it. I guess. <laughs> could be a thing. Other than that, we just got to believe it, man. Just believe in the magic. While I'm on the issue train about this nine and three quarters thing, um, Mrs. Weasley doesn't know where, which platform number it is. How many times <laughs> did she go to, to Hogwarts? Seven, I'm guessing, right? And then she has, what, 80 kids? And then they've all gone to Hogwarts at least once? Like, how does this yeah. woman not know which platform? She's an intelligent woman. I thoroughly love Mrs. Weasley, but this scene is not a good start for her. Oh, my God. Also, you know, like, this is going to be a spoiler, but I don't care because this makes me mad. <laughs> so, like, Petunia knows that Platform 9 and 3 quarters is a real thing. She knows it exists, and she knows how to get there. Right, because she has she, she's even walked through it, hasn't she? She went with Harry's mom. Right. <laughs> And she actually, like, went through the wall and said yeah, goodbye she, on the other side. Yeah, she was in there. She knows how to get there, and she still just left them there. Dude, she's messed up. Oh, my God. They're such a terrible family. I hate all of them. I uh, think they got I think they got captured. <clears throat> I mean, they also did nothing wrong because Horcrux, but... I think this is beyond Horcrux. <laughs> I think this... She was clearly a nice woman when she was a kid, and then, whoops, suddenly she has to live with Harry. Nah, that's that's someone else's fault. That's not Harry. Mm -hmm. I blame I blame another party on that. Mm -hmm. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so Weasleys are spouting off some pretty choice words here. And we get some brief little introductions to them. Uh, our boys, Fred and George, help Harry lift up his trunk here. And then they find out that he's got that mystical lightning bolt scar. And they lose their mind. Like, train's going to depart. They're running over to Ma. They're like, Ma, you'll never believe who we saw. He's got the scar and everything. And, like, Mrs. Weasley is like, you guys need to calm down. He's a child. Don't bring up his dead parents in front of him. That's not cool. Don't do that. <laughs> The twins, like, the twins are so great, man. They're just, like, messing with Percy because they're like, oh, we would have never known you were a prefect. You only said it once a week every day for, like, the entire summer or whatever, like, all sorts of things like that. And they're, she's Molly's telling them to stay out of trouble, and they're trying to blow up toilet seats and send it back to Ginny. Great family. Absolutely great family there. Yeah, first of all, poor Percy. Man steps up to a power of authority and actually gets, gets some responsibility in his life, and his brothers just make fun of him nonstop. But also... I love that his brothers make fun of him nonstop. Friend George are hilarious. To be totally fair, Percy sounds like he'd be super insufferable, and I would never want to hang out with this dude. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's nice to the first years. Yeah, he's nice to the first years. Put Give him a little bit of power, man. It goes right to his head. That is true. He is a prefect. <laughs> so then, eventually, our boy Ron Weasley, Harry's age, he finds out that Harry's in that compartment by himself. He's got nowhere else to sit. They're going to sit down together. And our dude, forever super subtle, he just blurts out, are you Harry Potter? Like, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, best way to approach something. Yeah, you might as well just, like, drop it down. Just go at and it. It's also kind of cool because they're basically on a level playing field where Harry knows nothing about the Wizarding World, so Ron can give him some background there. Probably not great that Ron's dad works in the misuse of Muggle Artifacts office and he doesn't know much at all about Muggle stuff. <laughs> That's, like, his whole character, too, like, jk was writing the character and she's like hmm what will be his most important trait that he doesn't know anything about muggle stuff okay what job should we give him muggle stuff 
He loves rubber ducks and spark plugs, but he doesn't know what they're for. Doesn't have any idea. <laughs> oh, he's just so confused. Wizards don't know anything about Muggle stuff at all, though. I, I talk about it uh, later in this chapter as well, but Wizards are dumb. Dude, they're just like, I think, like, they're just woefully ignorant about that stuff, man. Like, I guess. This is probably what happens when you cut out core curriculum out of your middle and high school agenda like let's not teach math to 11 year olds no point (laughs) no point to make them more intelligent oh i definitely i definitely blame the lack of derivatives and reading hamlet on a lot of this i think it all comes back to the same point probably does I, i could see it man i wouldn't be shocked um so we've got we've got our power on and it's just two two 11 year old kids hanging out and we'll know that our boy rod is pretty insecure about a lot of stuff he's comes from a big family he's the youngest son all of his brothers are great he's just so worried that if he does something well it's expected because all of his other relatives were great but if he doesn't then he's just the screw up of the family so he's super super concerned about that and i understand why the poor guy's insecure he's probably the only poor wizarding family in the entire wizarding world like how are you poor as wizards? Doesn't make any sense. I don't know, man. I think they're, I guess they're just pretty self-sufficient. They're just gathering their stuff themselves. Mrs. Weasley cooks, has dinner on the table every night for the kids. It's a wholesome family, man. I guess. It's the least you could say. And it's actually pretty good that Ron opens up like this, just because Harry gets a good understanding of him as a person from the onset when they're becoming friends. And then it kind of allows Harry to kind of get out his own insecurities. And that's kind of how the friendship starts to build up. They're reassuring each other, letting each other know that, hey, like, you're probably not going to be the worst one in the year. Everybody's on a pretty similar playing field, except for Hermione, who read every book six times over the summer. Just all sorts of things like that. It's really, it's actually a pretty nice moment. So yeah, for definitely. real, can't can't say enough about how much Ron sets Harry up for success here. Like the the only wizard his age that he's met so far was Malfoy. This could have gone downhill very quickly if Malfoy was the one who sat next to him on the train and he never met Ron. Very true, and you'll see here it was actually pretty close to one that would have went down. Also, Harry kind of a jerk move. First time going to Hogwarts, you buy all the candy at the trolley. So he doesn't, the whole popular movie, I'll take the lot thing, doesn't happen in the books unless I misread it. It, it only sounded like he bought about half of what they had. I was surprised. He bought a pretty good amount of candy, man. That's a lot of candy for a train full No, I'm of not saying it's not, but like in the movie, he was just a complete tool. He's like, everything you have, I want it. I'm the only one who gets it. Only my friends can have it. Oh, dude, I might have skimmed over that then in the book. I'm super disappointed. I, like, I was looking specifically for it because I love that line and I love memeing it, but <laughs> I, it didn't feel like it happened in the book. It was more like, a, oh, I'll take like a hundred of those instead of a thousand. It was still oh, an man. enormous amount. Don't get me wrong, but they finish it all by the time they get to the school, so it couldn't have been that much. Yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart. I think the first movie, if they made any kind of changes, they were relatively positive. It really I, was. I didn't say it in the uh, in King's crossing but uh the changes they made with the guard that harry asked for help was fantastic i didn't like that conversation in the books at all i think that was a great change in the movie but yeah this one's this one's a weird change to me that they would make harry be the rich stuck up prick that buys all of the candy yeah no i definitely agree we have another line coming up in a couple chapters that it really breaks my heart that this was how it was in the movie and not in the book. Because, I mean, it's so good seeing it on screen, but it's such a bummer when I'm going back to read and I'm waiting for that line, and then it's just different. It hurts my soul. It hurts my soul. Can't yeah. wait to bring it up, though. Can't wait to bring that up. We have a couple more meetings as we go along the train here. 
we meet Neville Longbottom, the hapless young man who is constantly searching for his toad friend, Trevor. Poor guy. Yep. Ugh, always losing his toad, man. He's got to put a leash or a bell on that thing. It's always would, escaping. You would think something possessed this toad to try to escape this much. Like, Oh, my God. I know. It's like always getting out of there. And then Hermione Granger shows up. And I don't know about you, man, but like I think they set it up so you're pretty put off by her the first time, a couple times you meet her. She just seems like super bossy. Even if I wasn't put off by her, the biggest thing I took away from this was Ron was put off by her. Which oh, super I, put off I think this is why I never chipped them when I was reading through the books. That's why it confused me that we got to the movies and everyone was like, Ron and Hermione, that's that's the relationship. It has to happen. I was never into the Ron and Hermione couple. And I think this is why we get started off on such a bad foot. They hate each other. Oh, dude, uh, you wait a couple more books. It really starts to pick up in a couple I mean, books. I know, but relationships don't start off this bad and then suddenly just like, oh, we've been hanging out for four years. Might as well we get to get together. Ron's just jealous of the handsome Slovakian man. Vic the dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw a counterpoint at you. Okay. They're 11 years old and don't know how to show their feelings, so they're just being nasty to each other because they don't know how to process it. See, I'm not getting that feel from Ron, though. I could see that from Hermione. I think Ron's just being nasty because he's being someone's being nasty to him. He's like, okay, let me just, I'll, I'll pop my chest out. Let's go. <laughs> oh, he just, he still thinks girls have cooties, man. He was a late bloomer. Leave him alone. Probably. I don't think he even bloomed in Goblet of Fire, but. <laughs> well, he, I think he that did. was the beginning of the bloom. What is he, 15 at that point? That is a late bloom. <laughs> mm, wait till Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> I'm saying that's like Half-Blood Prince is when he really becomes like, a, okay, I'm into girls. <laughs> Hey, 16, man. Sometimes it's a little late. That is late, dude. <laughs> we'll get into it more in Order of the Phoenix. There's some small moments that you start to catch that I always really like when I read it. I don't want to go too into them now because we still got a bunch of like, we have great so much to catch up to until there. But that's the hardest part about reading through is is trying not to think ahead. Um, I'm really trying to enjoy the moment that we're in in each sentence. But every sentence you read, you're like, oh, this has something to do with eight books from now. You're like, oh. Stop. Oh, man. And you, like i just love the later books so much because like as a personal like type of like movie show fan like i really love when they set up the end game and when they get to the end game those are my favorite parts of any kind of show right or any kind of movie so i always get super excited once we start reaching like late order of the phoenix and on yeah. i always gets me and for me specifically for harry potter the first three books are all set up like the action does not start until Goblet of Fire, which is probably why Goblet of Fire was always my favorite book. Yeah, they definitely ramp it up starting in Goblet of Fire, and I, how they expand the world also is very cool. Absolutely. When they do that, so gotta keep in mind, man, we're in order, we're in, I was gonna say Order of the Phoenix, we're in Sorcerer's Stone right now. We got a ways to go. We got a ways to go. We do. And Sorcerer's Stone has been fantastic so far. Oh, I bet I've been enjoying it every minute, man. I love getting back into this. Oh, it's so great. I so, wonder how many people are going to be triggered that we call it Sorcerer's Stone. Like, I, I hear that that's, like, a real thing that people, like, must call it Philosopher's Stone, but I, I just don't care. I am not proper enough of a person to do that, and I also have grown up calling it Sorcerer's Stone, so I'm not going to change how I, what I call it. Yeah. If you're watching Either on way. YouTube, throw it in the comments if you hate us for saying Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, please <laughs> at both of us on <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, all of that stuff, and let us know how much you hate how we say things. <laughs> We'll have that in the description. <laughs> oh, it's such a good idea. 
Um, also, something else that's weird about her body, she's like meeting Harry Potter. She's like, oh, you're Harry Potter. I've read about you. Like, that's really weird. You don't say that when you meet somebody. But again, okay, this is where I'm using your argument against you. She's 11 years old. She just she just got told that wizards were a thing, what, two months ago? Mm-hmm. And she read about the entire wizarding world in two months. She is now one of the foremost, most intelligent people in the wizarding world at 11 years old she doesn't she she doesn't even know how to interact with other people forget wizards she didn't even know they were a thing it gets me that you says top that you said top four in the entire wizarding world because you're probably not wrong no (laughs) like literally wizards are dumb it does not take much to be in the top tier of intelligence Oh my god, it's so true. All the adults in these book are, books are so dumb. It's bad. Like, top four most intelligent right now is probably Dumbledore, Fred, George, Hermione. There. Oh, man. <laughs> that's a pretty fair list. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that list. That's not a bad call at all, by any means. <laughs> all right, we really wow. got to move on. That's so great. And, dude, like you said, here comes Draco Malfoy with his goons in the door. He's like, oh, hi, I'm Draco Malfoy. He's like, oh, red hair? You're laughing at my name? You must be a Weasley. My dad says how to find the Weasleys. Freckles, red hair, and more kids than they can afford, which, like, mean, but also that was a pretty good thing. More but, kids than they can afford. But also true. <laughs> it is true. Also very true. Um, I don't understand the James Bond feel here like you're 11 years old and you're what 70 pounds soaking wet why you why you coming in saying it's malfoy draco malfoy like calm down dude he's such a wannabe hardo that's why he's so lame like he always challenges people to stuff and like the second he gets his like teeth knocked in he goes running away crying although we will in a couple chapters we'll get into why i completely respect him for the move that he pulls later i can't wait to talk about that oh dude we'll be we'll be getting there just you wait i think that's chapter eight uh yeah it's soon yep here we go and i think that covers just about most of uh chapter seven six Six. however hermione kicks the door again and then she's like yeah yeah, yeah." she's like hassling him again for stuff you guys weren't fighting were you and then she ron's like leave so i could change and then she's like fine you got some dirt on your nose and then ron felt something in his pubic area for the first time in his life (laughs) (laughs) yes oh she didn't understand what it was but oh man all right so we basically just arrive at hogwarts there too we take the boat across the lake and we get to the great oak in front doors and we get to chapter seven the sorting hat yep right into chapter seven yep right into chapter seven man we see our pal professor mcgee professor mcgongle for the first time in a while it's great to see her again her stern demeanor so great haven't seen in so long she's one of the most og savages in the series yeah i probably should have included her in the top top four so i guess the hermione's down to five mcgongle's number two i could see her number two after after dumbledore she's not bad she's wicked if 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 not intelligent she's got the wisdom of number two Oh yeah. Although, oh, uh, in this chapter, I realized I, again. This is why it's so hard reading back through a, a childhood book that you love because yeah. I know that McGonagall is awesome. I know that she's one of the nicest, coolest people in this series, and I love the actress that played her. And the fact that she was fighting through cancer the entire time she was filming the movie made me love the character even more, which is incredible. Oh, Maggie Smith, great. She's amazing. But this first intro, real intro we get to her, you are supposed to be intimidated because you don't know any of that yet. And she comes off like Snape level scary. Oh, yeah. She's supposed to be set up as really intimidating because they always tell her like she's got a very set face. She's got a real bun. Like 
they always make jokes about her never letting her hair down as they go through. So they're just trying to set up that description of her. And I think it's pretty spot on. And they, they do a pretty good job of showing the very stern teacher here. So they find out about the Hogwarts houses. And you guys can find out about yours on the Pottermore website by getting sorted. It's a good time. Fellow Ravenclaws, go find out because we are clearly the smartest. Yeah, I just I just like to do sort of brave shit. It's a lot of fun. I just like to know that I'm smarter than literally everyone else. All right, man. <laughs> yeah, talk to me when you get locked up in a room for trying to solve the riddle, nerd. Okay, it's never gonna happen. We're our our, our password. Literally, anyone from any other house can come into our room. You just have to not be stupid. And yet, how many people come into our room? Zero. They probably don't even know where anything is. They know where the their classes are, the cafeteria, and their common rooms. That is That's true. A, I wouldn't try to find Gryffindor's common room if I didn't know where it was either. While we're talking about the houses, I just want to take a minute to applaud JK's creation of the house points. I think this was amazing. It is it is the way to keep the audience not only informed of like which house is doing what and how important Harry's role is according to the larger role of the entire school, but also just a way to keep us involved. Like I want Harry to go and earn more house points. Where this is really the first time that I'm like rooting for Harry to go and do a specific task like yeah dog go get those points let's go get the dub uh, and then later when i did find out that i mesh with ravenclaws better now i go back and i'm like oh how many points did ravenclaw had we beat hufflepuff right let's go <laughs> <laughs> oh man we need to they need to work on that point system though we'll talk about that in a little bit some corrections start. need to be made but uh, humans are flawed and that is the only flaw in the point system is that humans are flawed Fair point. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. But scale needs some fixing. We'll just leave it at that. Nobody knows what the sorting ceremony is. I guess Hermione didn't find that in one of her 9,000 books she reads this summer. Which it confuses me because the hat is a very popular wizarding artifact that should be in books. But yeah, these kids are freaking out. Yeah, naturally Fred and George told Rod it's a very painful ceremony. To <laughs> love Fred and George. Just the fact that Fred and George are tools to literally everyone except Harry and Ginny is it just perfect oh it's so great and then neville's all freaked out i'm imagining him just making rupert grint faces just staring at the wall like all concerned like oh god what am i gonna do it's and, then, rupert Grint <laughs> and then hermione's nilsit listing off the entire chapters one through six of her standard book of spells grade one under her breath right now to figure out which one would make the most sense to use and then we go inside and there's just a hat and a stool that's it you just got to sit down and wear the hat <laughs> that's it super easy the hat that covers your eyes by the way they couldn't make this hat fit 11 year olds i feel like it's a little weird that it's like made for adults unbelievable and we get to see some really cool magic too by seeing what the great hall looks like um so we've got just an open ceiling type concept where the ceiling just changes with any changes in the sky and that's really cool um, I was always a big fan of that whenever they introduced that and noted like, oh, today's a rainy day or a cloudy day. And then they look up and they see rain on the ceiling. I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, I love the Great Hall, especially what they do with it in the movies. Honestly, you could show me a clip of the Great Hall and I could probably tell you which movie it's from because I, I always looked forward to seeing how Dumbledore changed the scenery. It was it was the coolest form of simple magic. Oh, dude, always super cool. It's so great. Like, it's really good seeing, like, all these little seeds come to life in the movies, too. Just, like, all the little bits and pieces of just miscellaneous magic that you see. I always really, really enjoy that. Yeah. And then we go into it, and we've got the sorting 
which I am going to do a reading of the Sorting Hat song for those of you who would like to. I mean, let we could just not. No, we're gonna. Dude. I'm gonna we're be gonna. honest. Um, when I see like songs or poems or anything like that in books, I I literally skip. Do you really, dude? These lyrics are fire. Hundred percent, I skip. Oh come on, man. Yeah, no. Dude, it's fun. It's fun. Come on. It's I literally haven't read it, so I I mean I guess you could read it to me. Well, you know what? I'm going to read it to you even sure. better. For those of you at home, you could follow along at the bottom of page 117 of your books. We'll start with a little bit of build up here. First thing is maybe they had to try and get a rabbit out of it, Harry thought wildly. That seemed the sort of thing. Noticing that everyone in the hall was now staring at the hat, he stared at it too. For a few seconds, there was complete silence. Then the hat twitched. A rip near the brim opened wide like a mouth. And the hat began to sing. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge me on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hats sleek and tall. For I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat, and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see. So try me on, and I will tell you where you ought to be. We're on the next page now. Ignore my page flipping. You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwelled the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindor apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none. For I am a thinking cap. The whole hell burst into applause as the hat finished its song. And I inwardly burst into applause as the hat finished its song. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's a word for it. Oh, I oh, I enjoy the Sorting Hat songs. It's always, they're always pretty good. I, 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 uh, I, it's probably because... Uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I'm going to get... If anyone actually watches this, they're going to think I'm insane. But I don't do music or anything like that. So if I see music written in a book, like I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. I can't read lyrics and like get into it. I read books, not music. So I don't know. It's always been weird to me. I get the general like plot that I'm supposed to, and then I move on. Game of Thrones, absolutely love it. There is so much poetry and nonsense in there that I skip. I probably read that thing half as fast or twice as fast as everyone else, just because I <laughs> skip so much nonsense. Oh man. I mean, I will give you that I think the Hogwarts school song is really dumb. It's, so, it's bad. It's bad. Random hat, thing that I missed before we got into the sorting hat that I, I thought was a key point. Because, again, it just hits on how dark the Dursleys turned after Harry came to move with them. Harry did some crazy nonsense when he was going to, like, normal school. He turned one of his teacher's wigs blue. Like, at what point did the Dursleys sit down and they're like, okay. So Harry's just like his parents, probably should have seen that coming. How do we address this? Instead, they go absolutely bonkers the other way, and they're like, we're never bringing up wizards ever. If we're shoving him uncovered, and if he does any other wizarding stuff, we're going to punish him some more. Like, jeez, dude, they're messed up. And it's not their fault. No, it's totally their fault. They're just really bad people. Not at all their fault. Oh, my God. All right. So anyway, we start getting our uh, our first nominees. We do get our first nominees for um, our sorting, and it's a lot of names that we start to see later on, too, which I do really like. It is. I love that we don't get these names in the movies, or, like, we briefly see their faces, so it's very nice getting to reattach to these characters that are actually important to the story, as little as the movies touch on them. Oh, yeah, they definitely pop up a couple 
like actually more than a couple like throughout the books you'll see all these characters a couple a couple couple times every book i mean especially the gryffindor ones we see the gryffindor ones a lot yeah and you see uh you see a lot of the key hufflepuffs and uh ravenclaws a lot too like we get uh hannah abbott and susan bones from hufflepuff we see them a good amount of times yeah uh we get terry boot we see him he's one of like the main ravenclaws we see a lot we actually don't Uh, get luna here do we or did i miss it nope she's a year younger so oh yet. she is i always thought she was the same age nope jenny's here huh so we start seeing her in a little while it's i not always jenny acts so much younger than luna that it like throws me off that they're the same age uh, okay yeah i we don't see her until she's not introduced as a character really until order of the phoenix right yeah i think but we i think we hear her name in goblet of fire and then like she's actually important at the very beginning of order of the phoenix yeah exactly Which i love one of my favorite scenes ever in the books oh so great so we got our kids going through the sorting um little death eater jr is instantly put in slytherin ron who is extremely relieved at the sorting process because he thought they would have to wrestle a troll um (laughs) spoilers foreshadowing (laughs) speaking of the Uh, the little uh, death eater jr in slytherin uh just goes to show you that we're having a little first character bias as Harry is clearly narrating this story, the first person to get nominated for Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, and Ravenclaw, Harry specifically notes how many people cheer for them. He's like, wow, their tables went insane. Like, Gryffindor stood up and started clapping, yay! And Hufflepuff went up and hugged them, and Ravenclaw was so excited. And then the first Slytherin kid gets announced, and Harry's like, yeah, that one went to Slytherin, nothing happened. I was like, (laughs) dang, dude, (laughs) you already don't like them. Yeah. He's learning well, man. You got to keep these divides nice and strong. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Slytherin. All right, I'm going to throw that out here now. Yeah, what? Like, who's who's to say we should have a strong, united front in the face of evil? That's totally unnecessary. I we should. Say. There's only like three Slytherins that are actually Death Eaters. Everyone else wants a strong, united front. That's a little debatable. <laughs> Just as well, many Gryffindors go insane. Oh my god. Alright, we'll 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 see some character reactions later on in the series and we'll we'll revisit this comment and we'll okay. see if you feel the same way. Dursley's and most of Slytherin did nothing wrong. Oh my god. You're king of hot takes, dude. It's not even a hot take, dude. So we'll go back. You know what? Even though you have crazy hot takes, we're gonna give you some credit with your choice uh, with your choice and theme of the power of choice, where our boy Harry Potter is a hat stall when he is under the sorting hat and he's anxiously crossing his fingers he's like oh not slytherin not slytherin not slytherin and then they eventually just the hat eventually just puts him in gryffindor because that's what he wanted so everybody's yeah. still they're acting like they got the number one pick in the draft they're like oh we got potter i mean let's be yeah. honest they really did they basically did yeah youngest um, youngest seeker in a century man yeah like only quidditch wise concerned he literally should have been the number one pick in the draft not to mention he's also the boy who lived. Oh my god, dude! Res- resume is off the charts already. Off the chart. Eleven-year-old first pick in the draft. This kid is not going to college. He's going right to the NBA. Yeah, exactly. Forget doing a year in college. He doesn't need that. Um, but yeah, I thought this was the first real choice Harry made. There was a lot of choices on the train that was him realizing, oh hey, I'm I'm on my own now. I can do what I want, like buying all the candy. But this is the choice that sets him on his path for the rest of Hogwarts that he legitimately makes for himself. Yep. No, definitely agree. He definitely sets his own. This is just like the piece, one of the pieces of the journey where if he had just picked another branch off of the main path, he could have ended up totally different. So you're right. It's really cool. It's really cool to see. So 
we get the sorting done and then Dumbledore is crazy. He throws out some miscellaneous words before they eat. Those nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. And then sounds like he's tweaking out himself, but food appears on the plates. Everybody just completely forgets whatever ridiculous thing he just said. We get a little bit of background from some people where Seamus and his accent always gets me like, oh, I'm half and half. You could literally hear the accent while reading it too. It's fantastic. Yeah, I know. You could do it right in your head. It's so great. Yeah. Nasty shock to him. (laughs) (laughs) And then like Neville finding out he had magic powers by his uncle just like was so sick of him not showing anything that he just like dropped him out the window by accident. He like bounced all the way to the street. They legitimately did reverse Salem witch trials. They're like, we're going to kill you if you're not a witch. So either (laughs) we burn you or you don't burn and you're a witch and we throw you a birthday party. Like these are the only options. Oh my god, dude. It's so funny because they're like, they were like, he was hanging him out of the window hoping he would do something. And then, like, he gets distracted by Pi and he drops him. He really didn't even mean to drop him, but like, that's why you don't hang a nine year old out of the window, you moron. This, this orphan nine year old with no powers and you're going to hang him out of a window? Absolute psychopath. Crazier than the Dursleys. Poor, poor hapless Neville, man. Neville's family situation was worse than Harry's. (laughs) Now that's a hot take. Uh, Neville's grandmother is adorable and amazing and she took very good care of him it's just everyone else that was around him that's an interesting point we'll have to get to that a little bit later once we see more of Neville's family that part of the book crushes me anyway we get introduced to our pal Severus Snape who's up at the high table eating dinner with everybody Harry looks at him weird twinge in his scar what's going on with that super sketchy and Dumbledore's going through his regular announcements and Part of it, he's just like, oh, you best avoid the third floor corridor, lest you desire a very painful death. And it's like, why do people send their kids here? Why why are you putting your child like near anything like that? That makes no sense to me. Best wizarding school in the world. You got to take the oh, risk. No. There's no safer place than Hogwarts, Drew. There's no safer place. Exactly. <laughs> hey, there has only been one death in the last 50 years in this school. Oh, my God. It's still too many for a well, school, I guess man. 30 years. I can't remember when she died. <laughs> it's been a couple of years. We'll we'll know the number in next book. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Hey, we'll that, but that is a very low death count. Okay. All right. Fair point. And then I think the chapter ends on a really interesting note where Professor Quirrell's turban is telling Harry to switch to Slytherin. And then he hears a what will become a trademark uh, high and cold laugh and sees a burst of green light. So... Yeah, there is some definite, definite uh, Slytherin undertones going on in this dream that um, are extreme foreshadowing. Indeed. Indeed. I thought it was, uh, going back just a little bit, I thought it was hilarious that I think it was Percy says, um, it's odd because he usually gives us a reason why we're not allowed to go somewhere. This is the first chapter that I really had to sit back and be like, what am I reading? What is going on in this? Like, <laughs> this this <laughs> headmaster of this school, who's supposedly the best wizard alive, just said tittle bitwit nonsense. And then the kid was like, yeah, usually he tells us that we're going to die if we go to this place. So that's why we don't go and because there's like centaurs there or something. But it's weird. This time he, he just said we're going to die. He didn't say why. <laughs> like, what? You want some pudding hair? <laughs> <laughs> Pass the butter. This this school makes no sense. I love this book. I love this books. I love this school, but it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Zero it makes five. more sense than the wizarding money, but still makes no sense. Oh my god! Don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chapter eight. Oh, Ron, hold up. That's my pizza. Uh, dude, what do you mean? We're in the middle of recording. What what, what pizza? 
Yeah, but I don't think you understand. Pizza versus recording, it's obvious who wins. See you later. Dude, we're busy. We planned this time slot. We're busy right now. Where are you going? Drew. 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 What? All right, guys. So Drew's out, and my mom said I'm not allowed to talk to strangers by myself. So I think we're going to have to cut this episode short. Uh, tune in next time for the second half and rousing conclusion of this episode of the C2C podcast presents Harry Potter. Take care. <laughs>